Blog Talk Radio. Yes, it's that time again. Time for another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Dr. Ross Green here, coming to you live, almost as always, from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine, where it is snowing. Not super unusual for March 30th in Portland, Maine, but it is snowing. And, um, you know, we're all sick of it, but it's actually kind of pretty. This late in the season, we don't want any more of it, but it's still kind of pretty. Susie, how are you today? Good morning. I'm I'm good. Thank you. And you? I am well. Um, we have a caller already, um, and so I think we should – we also have quite a few emails that have arrived in the last week or two to get to, mm-hmm. but let's – Roll with our caller, as we always do in the beginning. Um, area code 870, you are on the air with Ross and Susie. How are you today? Okay, can you hear me? We can hear you just fine. Right. I'm the mom who called in the end of last week's show. I called in earlier. I thought so. And I'll just, um, I'll just kind of recap maybe... For everyone, my situation. And Please do. I got some more information from our ten-year-old son um, based on some of your questions, so I'll go over that as well. And my, I probably rephrased it poorly, uh, phrased it poorly last week, but basic, basic issue seems to be well, lots of issues, but my kernel issue is is, of course, my son would prefer to do well, but he appears to find the request um, too overwhelming and awful to engage in a lot of in good problem-solving, and he has a lot of rage, and he'll go to the mat over things, and very low frustration tolerance. And, and so... It's almost like you're asking him to do to put his hand in boiling water. I mean, it's it's akin to that, and he doesn't. Um, when we express the adult concerns, he frequently will say they're not valid. <laughs> um, and and as you may recall, we put pretty much everything into Plan C for the moment, and we're just trying to get some Plan B problem solving for. Uh, schoolwork, and he's homeschooled because he refused to go to school. Mm-hmm. And in the past, we've used um, your method. I mean, the last couple of years, and and we've had some success. It's the only thing that we've had success with. And although that has worked in the past, he's having increasingly difficult, an increasingly difficult time coming to the table anymore and feeling like it's just really intolerable when he's not getting his way, when he's asked to do something, when he has to wait, when he doesn't, when he a prize or a toy he wants, when, and when it's schoolwork. And, and he's recently gotten the 
disruptive mood dysregulation diagnosis, which I know doesn't change anything about your method, but it might give you an idea of the severity and kind of the longstanding duration of what we're dealing with. One other element in there is that it seems to have real psychological dependence on Minecraft. I don't know if it's addicted, he's addicted to it, but he'll he'll do anything but schoolwork <laughs> to get to it. And he's very angry when you say you have to do sport before you can play on the game. And, you know, you asked for what some of his specific, you know, one of the um, identified problem-solved problems is, say, um, we've listed them out, but one just would be, say, difficulty reading uh, for 15 minutes for increments in homeschool. And I told him, you know, that you had asked for what his specifics were, and that caused him to talk a little bit more about what it was that bothers him and then he, based, uh, you know, I asked him some yes/no questions because he was seeming to have some. He, he was more engaged, but he seemed to have some trouble verbalizing. So, you know, is it, is it trouble getting your book? Is it trouble finding a book you like? Are you having trouble focusing? And he said, all books are boring, and the problem is looking at words. <laughs> Looking at words, of course, is central to reading a book, but that was the, the most I got. And uh, with math, he said math is too hard, and um, he was able to do more when he was younger because it was easier, so we tried getting him some easier work. That didn't, he was very resistant to and very angry about. And I thought, well, how about we try? Maybe I can do the problems for you, and you just watch. You don't have to do them. And while he was agreeable to that, the next day when we tried to implement it, he um, really uh, verbally saying how horrible it is and how boring it is and how he wants to die and he's going to kill himself when he grows up and he's sitting there hitting his head on the table. And and this is over 10 minutes of just watching me work through a couple of problems. And there's no therapists in my area who are trained in CPS and we're just at a, I mean, he's, he's trying another medication. We're hoping that will kind of build a foundation to do more work with him. But we're just at a at a loss because he doesn't, I think if a gun was to his head, he would start problem solving and get on board more. But I think because he's very dismissive of our concerns as adults and he's also maybe addicted to Minecraft and he's also, having feelings of it that it's just intolerant intolerable for him to be frustrated or focused um that he's not able to to do this any longer so do you have any any thoughts well the challenge of course there's a few challenges one challenge is what's so hard for him about participating in problem-solving discussions and why does it seem to have gotten harder? And I don't think we understand that very well. Number two, what's you've got a more global issue, and that is all things academic or almost all things academic all things related to school, um, 
are things he's having trouble hanging in there to participate in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got a you know you've got some difficult questions to answer about him, and regrettably. I don't know if we're going to be able to answer them for you just based on the information that you've been able to provide so far. I think that there's a lot we'd need to know about your son. Um, I know he's on medicine, but to tell you the truth, um, it would be hard, and I wouldn't do it by this mechanism anyways, hard even to have somebody weigh in on the medicines that he's being prescribed without knowing much more about him. Um, and why many facets of life besides Minecraft are so frustrating for him and why he finds so many of these things to be very hard to tolerate. Um, That's not something we're probably going to be able to answer for you on the program. I wish we could, um, but there's a level of complexity here that's going to require information that we're probably not going to be able to gather from you through this format. So I have an invitation for you. Come up to our clinic up here in Portland, Maine, if it's feasible. If you've got nobody in your area, um, contact us through the Lives in the Balance website, and we'll see if we can figure it out in person. Not something we end up having to do too often on this program, just that when things reach a level of complexity that um, we aren't going to be able to give you the kind of answers that you're looking for through this format, well, it's usually time to take the next step. Um, So you're welcome to do that if it is feasible. And if you want some details on how to go about doing that, just use the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website and um, indicate in the email that you send that we talked about this on the program and that you'd like to learn more about it. It's always an option. Um, And it's especially an option if we're not going to be able to get the job done on this program. But the reality is I would have to meet your son and spend a little time with him and try to converse with him to get a better feel for what's getting in his way in those two realms. What's hard about doing, what's hard about conversing, and what's hard about school, and then I might be able to give you a sense for what I think's getting in his way and what I think might work. I wish we could give you the kind of answers you're looking for on this program, but we don't have enough info. I wish we did. Okay, well, thank you. You bet. I wish. Susie, I bet you wish, too. That's a tough one. It is, but it's not that there's no hope. It's just that um, there's a level of complexity that we aren't often able to, not often, sometimes, aren't able to provide as much guidance as we might like on this program. Um, I wish it were otherwise, but I hope Mom gets in touch with us. Well, that was great that you issued that invitation. That invitation's always there. Shall we move on to some email? Sure. Here we go. Why don't we give the number just real quickly? I think it's a good idea. 347-994-2981 and press 1 to speak with the host. Host. 
hosts, plural, the co-hosts. But that is the number. And you do have to press one. Otherwise, we don't know you're waiting for us to bring you on. Apparently, that's new in the blog talk radio system. Here we go. Hi, Dr. Green. My son is eight years old and diagnosed with high-functioning autism spectrum disorder, what used to be Asperger's. He is a bright kid, but also very defiant and often angry and frustrated as well. Previously, we had tried dealing with his shortcomings through rewards and punishments, and you can probably imagine the outcome, more explosions and repeat of the same behavior later, sometimes an hour later. Reading through the explosive child was such a healing event for me. There was my son, and here was a method that did not advocate for more punishments. Right now, one major flashpoint is my son's treatment of his younger sister. She's five. Sometimes it's physical, hitting, pinching, shoving, but it's the verbal cruelty that drives me crazy. He corrects her often, belittles her when she makes mistakes, quizzes her when he thinks she is saying something that isn't true. He tells her she can't read. She says she can. He says, prove it read this paragraph. She is actually having trouble learning to read, so this is a sensitive topic for her. He tells her she looks weird when she puts on a creative outfit, that she looks funny when she dances like that, etc. This might happen 20 to 30 times a day. Meal times are especially hard. He stares at our daughter during the meal and makes constant corrections or mean comments. Our family therapist tells us to say things like, I don't want you to talk like that, but he says, okay, and repeats the behavior. I want to try plan B with him about this, but I'm having trouble phrasing this as a lagging skill to discuss with him because this sort of verbal criticism happens pretty much every time he's in the same room with his sister. So now I'm going to break out of the letter momentarily and and address one piece in here. You're not going to discuss the lagging skill with him. You're going to discuss a specific unsolved problem with him. That's crucial. Um, Now I'll keep going. Um, And this mom, I think it's a mom. Let me just double check that. Yeah, mom is, has written in some potential wording of unsolved problems. Should it be difficulty ignoring sister during meals? Or, difficulty accepting and not correcting sister's imaginative ideas. Or, difficulty correct, not correcting sister. Thanks for any help that you can give, and thanks for writing your book and giving parents like me some hope that things can get better. Can you email me if you'll be addressing my question on your program? I am listening to your program archives right now and working my way toward the more recent ones. Good for you for that level of devotion. And yes, anybody whose question gets responded to on this program does get an email from our wonderful volunteers, Tim and Ann, along with a link so that you can listen to the answer to the program. Um, You've probably heard from Tim and Ann already because they also try to respond to let you know that we received your questions. But now let's go back to the wording of the unsolved problem. What I'm hearing is that meal times are especially bad. Uh, The son stares at the daughter during the meal and makes constant corrections or mean comments. Now, what we're doing here 
is we're trying to think about what the expectation is. What is the expectation for how he w- we want him to speak to your daughter during mealtimes? And I think we want her speaking to her kindly. Difficulty speaking kindly to your sister during mealtime is a decent unsolved problem. If we write difficulty ignoring sister during meals, you'd have to decide if, if that's the expectation. Do you want him to ignore I think you might want him to either speak to his sister kindly or treat his sister kindly during mealtime. So I might take out the ignore and put in speaking kindly or treating kindly. Difficulty accepting sister's imaginative ideas. That might be okay. I might put during mealtimes. I hope he knows what you're talking about. But I would ask myself once again, is just having him accept her ideas the... uh, expectation. Difficulty not correcting sister. Um, A little clumped. Um, We're talking about all times that he corrects, so we might want to add a specific circumstance. And you've given us a good one in your uh, text, uh, mealtimes. You've said they're especially bad. Um, I might run with mealtimes here, but then the hard part, but the easy part, it's the hard part and the easy part. I find that a lot of parents are able to say what they don't want the kid to do. Harder to come up with what they what the expectation is. And then that's the hard part, coming up with what the expectation is, that your son is having difficulty meeting. But once you figure out what that expectation is and where and when and with who, all you got to do is put the word difficulty in front of it and you've got yourself a fine unsolved problem. So the hard part what is my expectation? And I usually roll with something like speaking kindly, treating kindly. Uh, in the case of being physical, it's often keeping hands and feet to self. Um, so those are some possibilities for you. I think it is fabulous that you are um, using this methodology. I'm not surprised that other methodologies haven't worked. Um, But as you're noticing, getting the unsolved problem worded right is a pretty big deal. Susie, any thoughts on that as well? Um, I I know that it goes without saying how difficult it is to have a challenging child, but I just wanted to also say that um, good for the mom for being so sensitive to the um to her daughter's um, role in this family um, you know our in our family, my challenging child tortured his younger sister and um it it uh made life very difficult um breaking it down. Uh, splitting the problems, as you said, um, is helpful. Um, and um, another suggestion might be you uh, wrote the book um, Stretch More, The Adventures of Stretch More, and perhaps she could uh, pick up a copy of the book 
um, and read it together with her son. It's just a um, wonderful, simplified explanation of um, challenging children and um, depathologizing them. Um, but getting back to the little sister, uh you really want to check in with the siblings and make sure that they are doing okay. And um, hopefully they are, but if they're not, um, not to create a problem, but you might want some outside help for that. We had your daughter on this program, didn't we? Yes, we did. And I just tried to find that program. And I'm not finding it in the listening library. It would be in the iTunes, which is a more comprehensive list. But um, if you're able to find that program ever, please let me know, and I'll put it in there in the um, uh, we'll we'll make sure that we send that link to this mom as well. Mm-hmm. But I can't find that program, and I thought it was a rather poignant program. So we will have to look more closely. Here's another one. Let me see if we have any callers. Let me give the number again, 347-994-2981. We don't have that many programs left in this what we call broadcast year because we take the summer off on this program. So we go September through May, and so we have only two months left before summer break. Um, maybe that will induce people to call in. Don't forget to press 1 when you call in, or we don't, won't know that you've called in. Here's another. My wife and I recently found this website and are reading The Explosive Child. We are very interested in implementing Plan B, but we also want to understand how we should handle the meltdowns when they do occur. Our daughter is 10 and is tremendously explosive at home. She does not have social issues or problem at school. She was diagnosed as ADD and was prescribed stimulant medication to help her focus at school. The explosions occur daily around basic tasks like waking up for school, getting dressed, brushing teeth, eating dinner, and going to bed. Just about anything we ask of her is met with yelling and screaming. We have tried Plan A, and that is simply not working. We want to try Plan B, and we would like to have suggestions on how to handle the situations when the episodes do reach the stage that you described as kaboom in the book. Uh, Susie, you want to take first crack at that one? I think that they um, have the right lenses on, but um, it seems like they need to be more in crisis prevention mode as opposed to in the moment um, to... um, you know, keep a log for a week for the um, most um, for the problems that are occurring um, reliably and predictably, and then to use the 
also the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems to find out what lagging skills their daughter is lacking and under what specific conditions those skills are being demanded. Um, and then to pick two or three unsolved problems to work on. Um, I think that's that's my two cents. Well, and they are new to the model and new to the explosive child. They are in the midst of reading the explosive child. We don't know mm-hmm. if they've gotten to the plan B part yet, but I think they have. They um, said in their email, we'd like to try plan B. But the most important part about plan B, as you're saying, is that it be done proactively. And the best way to do it proactively is to make the list of lagging skills and unsolved problems and then prioritize unsolved problems so you know which problems you want to start solving, um, both collaboratively but also proactively. And that that gets you out of the heat of the moment. You're also going to prioritize away some unsolved problems, and that will reduce heat-of-the-moment episodes as well because the problems that you are deciding are a low priority aren't coming up. And so that's going to help clear the smoke and stabilize things as well. Um, And slowly but surely, um, you should notice that you are having fewer heat-of-the-moment episodes because you have either tabled them for now, set them aside for now, or solved them. And that's how we start to help things become more stable and clear the smoke. And then we, once some of the original unsolved problems are solved, we start drawing from other unsolved problems on the ALSIP to make this an ongoing process. And then things get even better because the pile of unsolved problems that you began with will slowly start to shrink What I'll say about the heat of the moment is that there is nothing great to be done in the heat of the moment except the standard advice, defuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe. That's the standard advice, and that's the best advice because most of the problem solving, you're not going to get a lot of good problem solving done in the heat of the moment. It's too hot, and it's too rushed, and so... um, Really, there's nothing wonderful to be done in the heat of the moment except defuse, de-escalate, and keep everybody safe. What I will say about the heat of the moment, though, is one more thing. Let's learn from this heat of the moment episode. Um, is this an unsolved problem that we didn't know about? It's not on our list. We better add it to the list. Is this an unsolved problem that we had on our list but that is... Um, did not make it in as a high priority, and should it be a high priority in place of something else that we had as a high priority? So there's some heat-of-the-moment thinking. So, I mean, my basic motto is um, if you're going to have to go through an episode, at least learn something from it. And those are the things that you would most likely learn from it. Um, Is this one we didn't have on our list? If it is on our list, was it a high priority? If it's not a high priority, should it be? And here's the interesting thing. One last thing. 
if it was a low priority, and if because it's a low priority, you're not bringing it up in the first place because you've set it aside, then how did it set in motion a challenging episode in the first place? And that's worth thinking about as well. When a family early in treatment with me comes in and they say we had a big blowout this week, my first question is, over what? And when I hear what it was over, my next thought is, um, did we know about that one? Is it on our list? If it was on our list, was it a high priority? If it was a high priority, I guess we need to get to talking about it. If it wasn't a high priority, should it be? But if it wasn't a high priority, how did it set in motion a challenging episode? And those are the questions that I would be asking. And sometimes the parents will say, well, it wasn't a high priority, but we brought it up anyways. And then I'll say, well, um, do you want it to be a higher priority? Are you comfortable with the ones that are high priorities? Do we want to revise that list? If we're comfortable with the high priorities that we have, then um, are we comfortable not bringing that one up? Because that's what's supposed to happen when we are setting it aside for now. So, boy, I guess there's a lot to think about as it relates to what you should do in the heat of the moment, but the basic motto is learn something from it. If you got to go through it, defuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe, and learn something from it so that you can keep it from putting you in the heat of the moment again the next time. I hope that helped. I, I just to wanted another? to, oh, go ahead. Yep. yeah, we could. Um, I just wanted to add that it's not the child's idea of a good time either, having these meltdowns. Um, that was such an important point that um, I remember reading in The Explosive Child. And um, the other thing about Plan B and collaborative and proactive solutions is that it takes the emotional reactivity out of the mix between you and your child by doing things collaboratively and proactively. Um, like you said, you're not in the heat of the moment, and you can uh, work together to solve these problems. Excellent. <laughs> Let's move on to another. Here's another pretty recent one. Got quite a few this week. Uh, here we go. Um, hello, Dr. Green. People are not addressing their emails to you just yet. Now, I might be able to do something about on the website. It might still say Dr. Green only on the contact form. Um, I might have to change that. Uh, hello, Dr. Green. I am so glad I found your work a couple of years ago. I have read parenting book after parenting book, and while there are helpful insights and strategies in many that I've read, I really appreciate the way you break down the task of addressing lagging skills and unsolved problems. To me, it clearly and lovingly addresses the heart of our parenting struggles. Thank you. I am writing to share some questions that I wonder if you already have or will cover in a radio program. Well, we're about to. And we, the truth is we don't mind covering the same question on this program. There's lots of questions that we cover 
multiple times, and that's okay. Sometimes people benefit from hearing it multiple times, but now back to the email. Recently, I revisited your work, and I plan to gradually listen to all of the recorded programs, and I look forward to tuning in live next Monday. Good. Well, then you're listening maybe right now. I've listened to a handful already, and they've been very helpful in clarifying questions I've had about implementing the model and being able to collaborate with my kids. I'm currently single parenting five kids, ages 2, 4, 8, 12, and 14. Um, One thing we'll say about this mom is she likes even numbers, but that's going to change in a year, of course. (laughs) Early on in my mothering, I struggled with rage and lashing out, and it hurt my older kids. As I've worked with my own reactivity, I've come to conclude that a collaborative approach is necessary to heal the rifts I've created. And it is the only approach that makes philosophical sense to me. I will impose my will for safety, of course, but I don't want to punish or be harsh. It just doesn't work for me or my family, and I don't feel it's necessary. A couple of my kids have issues with aggression when they feel angry or upset. No surprise there. And the oldest has turned that inward with self-injury and suicidal thoughts at times. We're seeking therapy to address the trauma of our family's dysfunction, and I'm taking steps to create more structure and connection. What I'm wondering is, do you have any words about using this model with extreme situations such as these and how it can help heal the family dysfunction overall? I'd like to hear what you have to say on the topic. Please don't just tell me to go to therapy. I am, and I get that, but it's one hour a week, and I get to parent these blessings in between. Thank you so much. Well, let's see if we can do your situation justice. Um, It sounds like you've done some things in your interactions with your kids that you feel have been harmful to them. And it sounds like you have some kids who have um, difficulties of their own in dealing with frustration. Um, Let's talk about the second part first. And yes, um, the frustration sometimes, I mean, it's never clear exactly when frustration is going to be turned outward or inward and you have examples of both in some of your five kids. Um, Frustration can be turned inward or outward. Um, I think the model is as applicable to inward as outward because I think of inward and outward as manifestations of the same things. Frustration, uh, sometimes inflexibility, Difficulty adapting, difficulty solving the problems that affect one's life. When one is having difficulty expressing the, uh, uh, solving the problems that affect one's life, when the demands of the environment outstrip the skills that one has to respond adaptively to those, one, to one's, to those demands, then one responds maladaptively, and that's going to be inward or outward or both. But that's when that stuff happens. And so at a purely practical level, um, 
I would recommend that you complete the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems for each child so that you are organizing the effort. As you mentioned in your uh, email, you're taking steps to create more structure and connection, and I think completing an ALSIP for each kid would be a major step in the right direction when it comes to creating structure, um, and it'll help you connect with them over the problems that they are having difficulty solving and that is resulting in behaviors that are either being turned inward or outward. I'm glad that you have somebody helping you with that. Otherwise, I would tell you to seek out somebody who can help you with that, in particular um, your daughter, who it sounds like is capable of exhibiting unsafe behaviors that you want to make sure you have a plan for. If she becomes unsafe, I'm sure the clinician you're working with is telling you that um, that's worth a visit to the emergency room if you have significant concerns about safety. Um, but so that's thought number one. Structure and connection, I would do the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems um, and start solving problems collaboratively but also proactively. Um, that's going to put you in a much better position to connect and create structure without heat, as in heat of the moment. And it's also going to help you with your own reactivity. Um, so I'm glad that you are seeing the collaborative approach as the way to go. Just don't lose sight of the proactive aspect of this model that is called pro collaborative and proactive solutions. Um, as to how to deal with the fact that you feel that some of your past behavior has affected your kids negatively, um, they might want to talk about that. They might not. You might want to talk about that. You might not. Reading through the lines of your email, uh, it sounds like you might, but that's totally up to you. Um, but here's what I would say. I think that there are many parents who express regrets for past behavior, but if nothing changes, then those regrets will start falling on deaf ears. So I think that the most important part, even more important than expressing regrets, although it's fine to express regrets, is, as you're describing in your email, doing everything you can to try to make sure that those regrets that you have don't turn into current regrets and stay past regrets. And I think that the CPS model is a very good way to help you accomplish just that. I've seen many parents apologize to their kids for past behavior, but I know that when the kids are rolling their eyes, it's because the kids have doubts that anything's going to change in the present. And I think that's even more important. Those are my two cents. Susie, what are your thoughts? Well, one of the cool things about collaborative and proactive solutions was it provided me with a logical framework to think through solving problems and indirectly taught me the skills that I was lagging behind in so that I could be the kind of parent that I knew I wanted to be. Um, and... The other thing was just in our family situation, we had one 
explosive child and one implosive child, and um, the model was able to help in both of those situations. It's a very healing model um, because it helps caregivers connect, structure things, communicate, rebuild relationships, and get a lot of those problems that were causing people to behave in ways that they regretted solved. If those problems remain unsolved, there's always the potential for behaviors that we regret to be repeated. And we don't want to do that. Um, Once those problems are solved, there's very little likelihood that the behaviors that the kid and the adult were exhibiting in response to that problem are going to be repeated. Then it's time to move on to other problems. We have about four minutes left in the program. We have a caller, but I'm very reluctant to bring callers on this late in the program because we can't usually do them justice this late in the program. So um, I'm going to recommend to our caller from area code 732 that you call us back at the beginning of next week's program. Um, This, I promise, is not us putting you off. We just... Frequently, it takes three or four minutes just to hear what's going on, and then um, it's hard to um, do the question justice, and we end up having to have people call back the next week anyways. So um, please call back next week. Let's, um, let me see here if there's anything. I think we might be able to do this one in three minutes. Thanks for the radio program, and I have a concern about my, of course, if I read it really fast, my (laughs) eight-year-old adopted son. We've had a rocky road starting school, and each year it is difficult for various reasons. Uh, This year we had to move to cope as well. My son is bright and fun but struggles in class so much he has been given his own classroom to help keep him calm and on an even keel. Now I'm wondering if I read this one last week. Does that one sound familiar? Um, no. From time to time, he joins the regular group, and sometimes small groups join him in his room. He has not developed reading and writing with fluency yet, but is making great progress now and has managed his letters and letter sounds. He's been diagnosed with auditory processing disorder and clearly tested as lower in memory function, but very high in reasoning and solving problems. At home... We have had ups and downs with resistance, anger, and frustration, but he is also a great helper, a fun entertainer, and an animal lover. He has an older sister. Um, and we are two mothers happily married for many years. His, my concern is his swearing and put-downs. This is why I thought we could do this one quickly. This is true at school and at home. He regularly jokes by calling names and pokes, punches, pinches to get attention. I try to ignore swear words and put-downs, but regularly mention calmly most of the time that it is not appreciated when he uses put-downs with us or his friends. I feel I am not creating 
conditions to reduce this behavior and need to help to keep him from using put-downs when interacting with peers and families. Any ideas? This is the reason I thought we could do this one fairly rapidly. We need a list of unsolved problems. Now, we could go with a more global difficulty speaking kindly to this person or that person under specific circumstances, but... We need the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems so we can have a list of unsolved problems. I get that he is swearing and putting people down, but we need the specific conditions in which that's happening and maybe even the specific problems that he is responding to with swearing and put-downs because those are behaviors. Our unsolved problems are our unmet expectations if you're not familiar with it, the guided tour for parents in the parents section of the Lives in the Balance website is going to teach you how to use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And we are out of time for today. Susie, thanks as always for doing this, taking My time pleasure. out of your schedule. We'll be back next week. Take care. Take care all. Take care.